0: Hello everyone. Welcome along to SEN Summer Mornings. Julian King with you. Great to have your company wherever you tuned in. SEN 1170am in Sydney. SENQ 693 in Brisbane and 1620 on the Gold Coast. Good morning to our brothers and sisters in Queensland and to anyone tuning in via the SEN app. Uh, The weather across the listening area today, Sydney. A hot one, maximum 35 showers, possible storm later on today. Brisbane tops are 31, mostly sunny. Gold Coast, max 29 and mostly sunny. You know the drill by now. The open line number, 1300-01-1170. And the text line, 0457-736-736. On the show today, we're going to chat a bit of cricket with Chad Sayers. I'll tell you what, Chad at his peak, he could swing a brick around the corner. He's going to be calling the game tonight. Adelaide and the Thunder as the Big Bash resumes after the Test match. Simon Hill from the Global Game will be along for his regular Tuesday chat. And looking forward to this, Stephen Farrow. Uh, He's the tournament director, Stephen Farrow, of the United Cup. It is, I guess you could call it the official launch of the Australian Tennis Summer. Some big names too. We're going to see Passer and Djokovic, Angie Kerber and others. And that tennis action gets underway in 10 days' time. So we'll talk to the tournament director there of United Cup, Stephen Farrow. Now, 2am Tommy is not only producing today, he's on the tools. He's on the tools. I've no idea where Maestro is. He's having a little sleep in. Well-earned one, I'm sure. I hope they pay you for two rolls there, Tommy. We'll call you, you know what, your official nickname on the program today is Two Rolls Tommy. We'll put that up. We'll just pin that up so I don't forget to call you that. Not 2am Tommy, not two cents Tommy. Two Rolls Tommy. Uh, Now, I will play some Christmas music. I started off with a bang yesterday with Chris Rea's Driving Home for Christmas. Got to educate these young ones. So what is this? I said it is an all-time classic by Chris Rea. And I heard Missile play a bit of uh, Do They Know It's Christmas. I'll have to play that back into the week because Eddie's on the podium of all-time great Christmas songs. Here's a a quiz question for you. The first line in that song, Do They Know It's Christmas, it's Christmas time. Do you know who sang it? Who sang the first line? So the great Phil Collins was on the drums. It was put together by Bob Geldof. The first two he got over the line were Simon Le Bon and Sting. He said, if I get those two, the rest will follow, and they did. But the first line of Do They Know It's Christmas it's Christmas time. Who sang that first line? So a bit of trivia to kick off the show. But let's get into the cricket after Australia's dominant first test win over Pakistan. You know, we made this observation and plenty of others have made this observation. Perth is proving to be a real fortress, perhaps on par with the that Daniel Cherney, we speak to regularly on this network. Well, he wrote an article about Manus Labashane's opinion of it. He described playing an Asian team on a bouncy Perth wicket as a big advantage. So basically this adds fuel to the idea that Western Australia should host the first test when India visits for its blockbuster series next summer. Uh, this is what Manus had to say. We're all used to the bounce here in Perth. We've, you know, played a lot here. A lot of us have got pretty good records here in in, in the West. But, I mean, no-one likes batting when it's like that, up and down. The sharp, steep bounce on a fast wicket, that's not your cup of tea for anyone. But, I mean, yeah, you just have to find a way when it's like that. I mean, it is a big advantage. You're playing a, a subcontinent team on such a bouncy surface, it's a big advantage. It is a big advantage, and he has a point mass. Australia defeated Pakistan comprehensively. And people are saying this was a volatile Perth Stadium dig. It was to a degree, and, but I agree with what Marta said. you just got to have to, find a, way to a, a find a way to deal with it. But it did create a really fascinating dimension across the back half of the test. And he copped a few blows. Thankfully, he got scans on his thumb. I think it was, and it's not broken, so he has been given the all-clear for Melbourne. And the Aussies handled the pitch, no big surprises. They're vastly better than the tourists did. Bowled out for 89 in a bit over a session on Sunday. So now attention's turning to the visit of India for the five tests next summer. So we sort of breeze past Pakistan and the West Indies. If it doesn't rain, Australia will win all five tests, guaranteed. The thing about India, India have done what no other team has managed to do in recent times, and that is win test series in Australia. They've won the past four Border Gavaska Trophy series, as I said, including consecutive series in Australia. No side had achieved that until 2018-19. They've got Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane. They are guaranteed to host tests given the series has now been expanded to five matches, which is fantastic. But the order, this is the thing, the order is what remains up in the air. We know the Gabba has traditionally hosted the first test. And you talk about the Gabba, Fortress, Brisbane, and the rest of it. Australia have lost just one test at the venue in 35 years, and that was at January 2021, where India, almost a second-string team, won that deciding rubber. That was an epic series, wasn't it? But we know that the Gab has been a difficult venue for touring sides. Perth Stadium increasingly building a similar reputation. Australia has won all four tests played at the venue since it opened in 2018. So Cricket Australia, obviously they want a bit of stability in the order of the test summer. after. Well, there were a number of factors that sort of led to this mishmash in recent years. So Perth and Brisbane, both options to be the regular venue for the first test. And as you heard Marnus say, we're used to the bounce here and played a lot, and that would be a great advantage. A great advantage if you're playing a subcontinent team like India with their class, stacked with class. The concern, though, the concern is the crowd. So they go, OK, that's actually a pretty good crowd, relatively speaking. 59,125 through the gates over four days. That was a record for an Australia-Pakistan test in Perth. Christina Matthews, she's the outgoing WACA chief said that she thought the Perth test could rebrand much like the pink test in Sydney to help build the event and, you know, maybe in and around Indigenous culture. Fine, great, no problem with that. Excellent. And I get that they want to carve out their own identity. I don't like seeing criticism of this pitch. Tough to bat on. Thought it was pretty good. And it's unique to Australia. But Perth are going to have to work very, very hard and they're going to have to get more people to turn up. As I said yesterday, it was a, a Sunday... Gorgeous weather, no Saturday sport on, a chance to see your side win the Test match, a chance to see an open line become a member of that exclusive 500 club. They couldn't even muster 10,000. They couldn't. It's use it or lose it. And further to that, this is really fascinating, the nine papers have crunched a few numbers this morning. Projected figures show Perth is expected to bring in millions of dollars less than Melbourne, Sydney and Adelaide over the next five years in a blow to its bid to host the pre-Christmas Test every year. Combined projected revenue of $60 million for the Boxing Day test and New Year's test shared exclusively with the nine papers means the MCG, SCG fixes. they're locked in for the force bill future. Cricket Australia continues discussions about its schedule over the next seven years, but it's not going to bring in the same coin. So if it wants to host the first test of the summer, well, it needs more people to turn up. So come on, Perth, pull your socks up, 0457 736 736. Uh, speaking of Boxing Day, Australia made the one change. Uncapped speed, Demon Lance Morris, he has been released to play for the Perth Scorchers. Uh, No big surprises there. So, they're expected to field, or they will. An unchanged 11 for the MG test after thrashing Pakistan over in Perth. Nathan Lyon, we know, 500th test wicket, I should say. And now, that four, so you've got Stark. Let's have a look at the numbers here. Stark bowled nine overs in the fourth innings. Hazelwood, 7.2. Pat Cummins, six. So that is perfect preparation, isn't it, for a long summer? The less you have to bowl, the better. And they did that. Injuries might be an issue. That's according to the captain. The bowlers are fresh now. So if you think about it, it's the ideal start of the summer. But Morris's omission has freed him up to face the Hurricanes and the Renegades in the Big Bash. The Scorchers, they take on the Hurricanes Perth Stadium tomorrow and then the Renegades at the same venue on Boxing Day. Look, I speculated a little while back. So Scott Boland, if somebody does the old McGrath Edgbast and trips on the ball, he will play. But I speculated a while back after he was dropped in England that Scott Boland, given his age, barring a last-minute injury, may well have played his last test match for Australia. May well have. Now, to Ragaba League. Uh, this is the big story that came through yesterday. Michael Champs has been all over this like white on rice. It's Jerome Luai, who was a no-show at training on Monday, amid tensions surrounding his decision to quit the Panthers and join the Tigers. Now, Luai's representatives told the Panthers the five-eighth would not be at training 48 hours after he had informed Coach Ivan Cleary and his teammates that he would be leaving his boyhood club for the Tigers at the end of the 2024 season. Sources with knowledge of the situation who requested anonymity to speak freely. We read that a lot now, don't we, in the papers. (laughs) Said, Lew, I needed time away from the club after the Herald on Saturday broke the story of his forthcoming departure to the Tigers. Now, he has not requested a release, Jerome. Although, and this is interesting, and I want to get the thoughts of Panthers fans, Tigers fans, and Rugby League fans for that matter. His no-show could prompt the Tigers to push for his immediate transfer to Concord. Surely that's not going to happen. It doesn't hurt to ask, mind you. And then that would hinge on Penrith agreeing to release him. I don't see that happening. Luai being willing to leave as well. That would be the other thing, of course. And then the Tigers would have to find the cap space this year. They'd have to meet about 780k. So Luai was at training on Saturday. He was planning to sign a mammoth five-year, six-million deal with the Tigers. Then, of course, he had to break the news to his teammates and link up with Benji that he was going there. And Luai then left Penrith's training facility more than an hour before his teammates. Now, the Panthers scheduled to train until Wednesday this week. Luai decided not to rejoin the group on Monday. Unclear yet whether he will return to training today. So this story, it appears, is having an effect. And with all this news swirling around, Luai, let me ask you this. Does it change in any way, shape or form your assessment of the Panthers' fortunes for season 2024? Especially if, and I doubt it'll happen, he's released early. Do you think that with all this news about Luai's departure, you know, premiership windows and the rest of it, does it bring Penrith back to the pack? Or more more to the point, does it bring him back enough where they're not premiership favourites anymore? And of course, it's not just Luai. Crichton's gone, Lenu's gone. But I, amongst many others, thought that maybe this is the year, because no one does three in a row. They haven't done it since Parramatta in the early 80s, but they did it. And they did it without your kick hours and your chorus hours. And they found a way. They are that good. And they had big chunks of last year with, when Luai was out with that shoulder injury, Cogger filled in, and even for a, a large portion of the grand final. And Cleary sees the day, sees the moment. They did it without Luai. So nothing suggests to me that as, as much as Jerome's an important part of that side and is a As Jimmy said, the CEO, the chief energy officer, and one of their favourite sons, they've proven they can do it without him. 0457 736 736. The West Tigers. I feel like we're discussing the Tigers every day. Not bad. Is that disproportionate? They were last last year. Last two years, the Tigers. And it's West, 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 West. But they're a very popular club. Gather the mighty Tigers. Anyway, the roster overhaul continues to gather momentum at the club. As they brace for the departure, now this is interesting, of winger Junior Tupu to the Dolphins. And now we thought maybe this is on the back burner. Have rekindled, by the way, their interest in a swap deal involving Justin Olam and Sean Bloor. This is in the telly today. And they're growing increasingly confident that they'll be in a position to confirm the signing of Jerome Luai in the coming days, a huge boost for Coach Benji Marshall. So Junior Tupu in a the final year of his deal, attracted significant offer from the Dolphins. And apparently he said he's going to accept it. And now he's going to be another one to add to that pile of just wait for the 10-day contracting window, you know, the cooling off period and the rest of it. They wanted to keep him. I know they're fans of him. But they're unlikely to engage in a bidding war. He's only 21, so he's got his best footy ahead of him. Also, by the way, attracted interest from Canberra. And this is a thing. I love this. Has been linked with the Sydney Roosters. Let's get another winger on the book, shall we? Get another Tupu, we've got Joey there, we've got Dom Young, yeah, that's okay. Which No, 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 Roosters. Not to mention that you're getting the Star Wallaby winger for 2025 as well. So buggered if I know if he was to go to the chook Pen where he would play, but it is what it is. The Dolphins, anyway, they looked to have won the day. Face a nervous couple of weeks, given his, as we said, well within his rights to renege on any agreement over the next fortnight. So, here we go. He's a good player, Junior Tupper. They lost Tommy to Lau, who I think can play. I know a few Tigers fans wanted to keep both of them. Look, there's always collateral damage. You know, you've got to move the furniture to accommodate someone like Luai. I hope, I hope for their sake, that they made the right decisions. We spoke to Nathan McAndrew on the program yesterday. The Thunder taking on the strikers tonight in Adelaide. As mentioned, we'll catch up with Chad Sayers, who's part of that call there. One man who won't be there for the Sydney Thunder is their coach, Trevor Bayliss. Now, this has sort of been skipped over a little bit. It has been mentioned, though, in the mainstream media. He's going to miss this fixture in order to attend the IPL auction in Dubai on behalf of Punjab Kings? So, Dan Vittori, Australia's assistant coach, he flew to Dubai after the thir- after the test fixture of Pakistan. He's got duties at Sunrise's Hyderabad. Ricky Ponting wasn't part of Channel 7's commentary team on the fourth day. He's got responsibilities with Delhi Capitals. Justin Langer. Lucknow Super Giants, new coach. Delayed his travel until after the test. Might be bidding on a couple of these quicks. Mitchell Stark would be the hottest ticket in town, probably. And we'll have a look at those results tomorrow on the program. But the thing about it is, Trevor Bayliss, the absence from the dugout on Tuesday, and his choice to prioritise the IPL auction for one league over a match involving his own team, the Sydney Thunder. What does that tell you? Do you question his commitment, Trevor Bayliss? Or does it just underscore the dominance of the IPL. He's a Sydney Thunder coach. He's going to miss a match to go to the IPL auction. So in terms of the teams that which he's involved in, how do you rank them? Clearly, Sydney Thunder's not first. So Sean Bradstreet will deputise as interim head coach in his absence. The Thunder released a statement saying, Bayless, is due to return for the Thunder clash against Melbourne Stars in Albury this week. Does that sit comfortably with you? Or do you not care? It's the new world order. Not that new, though. The Trevor Bayliss, who's the head coach at Sydney Thunder, yeah, I'm going to miss this game to go to an IPL auction, even though I'm in the middle of a tournament. Why why can't a representative go for Bayliss? Here's a more pressing job here, I would have thought. It is very clear now, very clear where the power in global cricket lies. I heard the Brecky Boys talking about Jai Patel this morning. Might catch a couple of grabs uh, a bit later on in the program. Suffice to say, he's not a happy man, Jai Apataya. But we mentioned the news yesterday about the Matildas. The mighty Matildas, they're going to be playing in Australia against Uzbekistan. Olympic qualifier, Feb 24, Marvel Stadium. We mentioned that yesterday. How many tickets do you reckon have been sold? Over 25,000. Wouldn't Abday love to say that at Legion Stadium? Yeah, You mentioned it. Float the tickets and sell for one day, 25,000. I mean, they're not even at 20 at the moment, I don't think. So in light of that, what do you reckon the hottest ticket in Australian sport is? Is it the Matildas? Is it the AFL NRL grand final? Is it a state of origin decider? Everest, Melbourne Cup, Australian Open final, I think would be right up there. Bathurst, F1. Have a think about that. And, you know, think of it in line with your personal preferences and the sports you love the most. Hottest ticket. You can only afford one ticket to see any event. And you can imagine your teams in the grand final just to to nudge you. You only got enough cash to purchase one ticket to any event in Australia. What is the hottest ticket in Australian sport at the moment? 045736736, the text line number. And on this day, 1997, was the official end of the ARL Super League War. Spanned almost a 1,000 days. Comes after the 40-man New South Wales Rugby League. Anyway, uh, Basically smoked a peace pipe with Super League. What are your memories of that time? One of my memories of that time was firstly the great Dragons half, no, Goldthorpe, who'd left St. George Illawarra, played in the tri-series. But one of my memories was, I think it was Matt Adamson, who you know got caught up with the whole, you know, in live golf, they go, oh, it's a once-in-a-lifetime chance to to grow the game and to spread the word, spread the gospel globally. He said, I want to walk down the street of any country world well, everyone knows who Matt Adamson is. So words to that effect. They go, whoa, just cool your jets there, buddy. Cool your jets. So happy to talk about that. Hottest ticket in Australian sport, 25,000 sold from the Tilders Clash already at Marvel Stadium. That's at only a day of tickets going on sale. Should Perth get the first test against India? one 1170 the open line number. And the text line 0457-736-736. Up and running this Tuesday morning. Julian with you on SEN Summer Mornings.